0: Hi, this is Michelle Zeitlin, and I am thrilled to say we are introducing our 50th episode, our 50th episode of Passion to Power. We started this podcast in front of a live audience and, of course, pivoted like the rest of the world to Zoom for much of the last couple years, and now our 50th episode So we've enjoyed conversations with people who are in film and television, Broadway, ballet, the digital world, the publishing world, and the music industry. I'd like to thank my fabulous tech team, Dan Leonard, Alec Zisi Papadal, Jason Asri, and the voice of God, my announcer, Mark David. Thanks so much for your contributions. Please stay tuned for the next season. We are so excited to continue offering free content on all the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And this is created on Anchor FM, so it's distributed on all your favorite distribution platforms. Stay tuned, listen to our 50th episode, please post your comments on Apple, please share the content with your friends, your family, and all of those aspiring and pivoting creatives. Enjoy. Welcome to Passion to Power with your host, Michelle Zeitlin. She's a creative producer who quote unquote, wears many hats. She's also a talent and literary manager and founded the company Moorzap Productions and Management. She develops people and projects across all media. Her guests encompass the gamut, from artists to authors, actors to activists. Please welcome Michelle Zeitlin, Passion to Power. We're gonna start from the top. Thea Wood, would you please launch into a little bit about your background? then tell us about Horizon Music, and then what's going on now for you in 2022.
1: Of course. Thank you so much, first of all, for having me here, Michelle. This is a lot of fun, and I'm excited about our conversation. Yay! The first thing that I guess I could launch into is, first of all, everyone, my name is Thea Wood, as Michelle said, and I am the president of Horizon Music Foundation and the host of backstage chats with women in music podcast. And that is where we tell the stories of women in music, trailblazers, rising stars. And basically my whole professional career with the exception of a window of time was really based around music and content creation. And at first it was more of in an entertaining way through most of my career. And then it became a lot more focused in empowering women. And so my background kind of started off with in college, I was a journalism major. I was the managing editor of the college newspaper. I went on to become a managing editor of a music magazine when I moved to the DC area. And then eventually I was hired to help start up uh, America Online's music department. Remember America Online? (laughs) Sure. So that kind of dates me a little bit. That was back in the early nineties. And eventually back in 1998, I got an offer to get a job down in Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. And I could think of very few reasons not to go. So I ended up heading down there in 98 and ironically living in the live music capital of the world, it was for a job that had nothing to do with live music or any kind of music. For that matter, but it did use my talents in content creation. And then eventually that company, Deja News, was sold. And I ended up going through a period of time where I just went for a low barrier of entry, high quick reward career. Plus, I was burned out from working corporate. And I ended up in real estate, selling luxury real estate. And I did that for seven years until I had my son. And After I had my son, I realized, oh my gosh, you know, I I was really good at this. And I loved meeting all the people and seeing the beautiful homes and making the connections. But at the end of the day, my creative juices were not flowing. And for people who are creative, Michelle, you know, you got to have that, right? And so I decided that I wanted to somehow get back into a creative outlet. I ended up image consulting because I do love fashion, and it was a way that I could also empower women and help women. Having come from a technology and music background, I knew what it was like to be in a male-dominated industry and to kind of struggle with How do I present myself? Uh, How do I send a visual message? What what am I doing here with my goals and my personal brand? And I became certified as an image consultant and did that for seven years and ended up publishing a magazine, ended up publishing an ebook. And so fortunate, I ended up being the premier speaker for University of Texas's first ever TEDx event. So that was pretty exciting. But all said and done, I realized that My true passion was still music, and in 2018, I decided it was time to shift back, give back to the music industry that I love, and so that's what I did, and that's when Horizon Music was formed, and basically, our mission is to help create, well, help promote gender equity and help create a merit-based path to success for women in the music industry. And we do that through programs of education, work experience, and role modeling. And that kind of gets you up to date with where we are.
0: That was a a big mouthful, but I would expect nothing less from somebody in the music industry, who's used to helping people with a mouthful of music. Absolutely. So you said that you had
1: one career for seven years and then you had another career for seven years. I did. All of it, you know, it was funny because the real estate was so different. It was really different, very high sales, high marketing. But most of my career path has been very content-centric. And even with my image consulting, I always creating customized booklets for each of my clients, giving them guidelines and advice on how to create a visual message that helps them achieve their personal and professional goals. So it was still creative for me. It just wasn't music. Right, and there's something about the number
0: seven, but we'll come back to that. So you were pivoting and shifting before a lot of people were pivoting and shifting during the pandemic. So if you started Horizon, you said 2018? I came up with the idea in 18, yes. And launched it in 2019? Yeah, great okay. timing, huh, Michelle? Yeah. Well, I mean, you had at least an inch ahead. You know, it's so interesting on this podcast, I've met so many people who were just starting new jobs or taking over as CEOs or launching entrepreneurial ventures and then boom, you know, this incredible crisis. But, you know, there's been so many silver linings and upsides. And uh, I'm not just a a dumb optimist. I, I, you know, I try to be optimistic, but coming from a real place of growth, and uh and a place of clarity and i'm al- always renewing myself i'm in probably my 15th life so i'm used to morphing and managing all kinds of different people and all kinds of different projects at once and i've always been like that i'm an octopus and that might be also more of a feminine trait than it is a masculine trait but i would also like to know what about music has always been under your skin why now, why helping gender equity in music, is that something we need, clearly, and how you are rebranding all of those journalistic skills, uh, identity skills, image skills, to put that now into the artists that you represent and talk to.
1: Yes, okay, so first of all, how music, how I've always kind of vibed with music. I was an only child, so back when we were young, we didn't have the internet, and one of the few things that you could get for free was the radio. And then, of course, you know, that moved into having albums and a record player and cassettes and so on and so forth. But really, I think that it connected with me in multiple levels. You know, as many people call it, including Lady Gaga. It's the great uniter. Music heals. Music brings people together in celebration. It brings about memories there's are so many good things, and it also activates just about every part of your brain simultaneously, which makes it a very unique type of stimulation. I would have to say that the best way that I could describe how music makes me feel, and I'm, I'm going out on a branch here, so everybody listening, who has seen the movie Rocket Man? Do you remember the movie Rocket Man about Elton John and his life? There's one scene in particular where he gets out on stage, and I think it's his first performance in Southern California, maybe in the United States, and he starts playing. And there's just the elation that happens. And in the movie, they were brilliant. The director and all the editors set it up to where people started lifting up off the ground their feet came off the ground. They started flying outward and they're all moving together to the beat. And I was like, that's it. That is what music makes me feel like. And I really do believe that it makes a lot of people feel that way. And if it doesn't, the only reason why I can think of is because you just haven't heard the music that you like yet. You just got to keep looking because it'll be there. So that's really what it feels like for me. As far as the bringing it all together in with all of my skill sets and where my journey has taken me up until Horizon Music started. Really, I think that learning how to network through the real estate part of my career was extraordinarily important. Getting over any kind of fear of selling, especially if you're in a nonprofit, you have to learn to ask and accept that you're going to be rejected and hear no a lot, Um, but at the same time that also really prepared me for what women in music hear all the time. And the catalyst for me going down this path is because I saw the 2018 documentary Bad Reputation about Joan Jett's own journey and I was writing an article for She Spark magazine about the documentary, Being a Woman Over 40. This magazine was very uh, specific toward lifestyle, beauty, and wellness, and fashion issues based around women over 40. And as I was doing my research, Michelle, I freaked out because I couldn't believe it when I looked at the numbers. Nothing has changed for women in music in the past 20, 30, 40 years since John Jett was young and getting started in the 70s. I mean, you look at it and studies show that of all the major music festivals, only mm-hmm. about 12% of lineups are female or female fronted. That's the average, some have zero, right? And then you've got another study that showed between 2013 and 2017, that of the 600 most popular songs on the radio and cross genre, only about 12% were written by female songwriters. Wow. It gets worse on the technical side. If you look at audio engineers, only 5% of working audio engineers are women and only 2% of working music producers are women. In any other industry, this would be considered absolutely unacceptable, but very few people are talking about it. So part of our mission is to spread that awareness so people understand, even though this is the great uniter and the healer and it does all these wonderful things for people, there are systemic issues in the industry that we need to overcome because there is enough room on the tour bus for everybody, as I like to tell people. And it's time that we start giving women equal opportunity, because how can you have merit-based success without it?
0: I had a guest I might've mentioned just to you earlier. Her name is Donna Ross Jones and she's on the publishing side. And she has said very many of the same things that not only is she one of the few women in the publishing side of music that's successful and as a ceo but one of the even smaller group that is women of color oh. and this has been a mission for her as well so if i haven't already i have to connect you but let's talk about women in music so are we talking about the people writing music people performing music people producing music people engineering music is it across the board that
1: there is inequity with women and men in the industry Absolutely. And and to the point uh, where even on radio airplay, you're seeing uh, many stations have policies that their programming directors or their program, whoever is DJing, is not allowed to play two female acts back to back. Can you imagine if that was a rule about male acts? Can you imagine? oh my gosh. And you know, when you look at it, you think pop music, oh my gosh, there are so many female artists of pop music, right? Well, on average, last, the last study that I saw, I'd have to look at some newer numbers maybe, but about 30% of airplay in the pop genre is reserved for women. And when you think about it, it's very heavy rotation in pop. So you're hearing the same group of women over and over and over again, right? Therefore, the diversity the breadth that we could be experiencing isn't there yet. And it's kind of sad that DJs have their kind of hands tied because remember when we were young, they were the ones who were introducing us to new talent and got it getting us excited. Alan Friedman, I mean, he was he was in Ohio and he was the one who pretty much was breaking rock and roll. What if what if we didn't have that?
0: Or if if Howard Stern thrashed you, you knew you made it, right? (laughs)
1: That's right.
0: (laughs) I have a question. So now that um, radio is not as primary, I mean, all of these curations on streaming services, Pandora, Spotify is the obvious choice, iHeart Music. So how are the artists now being plugged and pushed on the streamers? And is that the same situation? Because I would think it's a lot of it is algorithm as a to just subjective choice, right? From a DJ perspective.
1: You said it. Algorithms are still majorly in play. And uh, I read an article a couple of months ago saying that Spotify, for instance, if you listen to a song by a male artist, it will say, okay, here are, you know, how you do relational marketing, right? So it's like, oh, here are other artists that you might want to look at and guess what they're going to do? They're going to do it based on gender. So you'll get referrals to other male artists in that genre, but not necessarily female artists in that genre.
0: Two things that are very important, and so I just want to underscore them, gender versus genre. Interesting. So even the algorithm is pushing a male singer or band or whatever over the genre of the music. Correct. Wow. I did not know that.
1: Now, of course, I have not talked to anybody at Spotify. This was based on an article that I read that was going through and talking about how the algorithms work. But you said it, it's surprising, right? Will you send me the article
0: that you are referencing? I will. um, And then I do know people at Spotify, so we should hit them up and see if that's credible information and if that's old information. Or if that's current information that we wanna dive deeper into. That's right. I think that's really important. So let's talk about what you do on the nonprofit side for the artists and songwriters and producers and all the people that you work with who are,
1: I imagine now, primarily women. Yes, uh, you are correct. Our mission is to help women. So they are the people who benefit from our programs. The first program that we have is a scholarship program. And in the past two years, we've partnered with soundgirls.org. Originally, we had provided them scholarship grants so that teen girls could attend music and sound camps that they hosted. Unfortunately, COVID came along, and in 2021, we kind of revised that, and it was actually very exciting. They had an international online conference, a professional development conference, and we were able to put in a grant so that 20 women could attend this uh, professional development conference, which was very exciting. And then uh, we also have partnered with Girls Rock Austin, which is part of the Girls Rock Camp Alliance. They have national chapters across the country And we were able to send, two years in a row, we were able to send girls to music camps who may not have otherwise been able to go, as well as in this past year, because things were so hard in 2021, we also set aside some funds so that we could pay the actual teachers at the camp, because without the teachers, you can't have camp. So we helped them out. The other one is, the other program is our podcast, Backstage Chats with Women in Music. And we interview musicians. We interview songwriters. We interview music therapists, audio engineers, music producers, professors. Uh, One of a a really fun one that people might want to check out is with Susan Rogers, who was Prince's staff audio engineer for five years. And now she is a professor teaching at Berkeley College of Music. Very exciting stuff. So we run the gamut. And uh, the reason why we do that is because we want people to see and hear and understand all the different roles that women can have in the music industry, right? There isn't just one. There are many. And uh, you don't need to be on stage to be in the music industry. You can be behind the scenes. You can be on air. There, there are so many different ways that you can contribute if you want to. And uh, all the stories are highly entertaining, uh, inspirational, and relatable so you don't have to be in the music industry to understand you know we're all ladies and a lot of us are working in male dominated industries so we get it right we get we get some of the stories and then lastly our newest program which actually gave birth during covid and because of covid is called Random Acts of Music. And that's our big baby that we're really molding for 2022 and going forward. And in essence, Random Acts of Music is a virtual event booking service where we connect musicians with event, virtual event hosts for paid gigs. And the reason why we started this is because the studies started coming out, I'm a big numbers person, um, but the studies started coming out that 25% of women in the music business, in the music industry, did not know where their next dollar was coming from as of last summer. And 30%, one-third approximately, had, were stating that they were in a state of mental crisis. And that's unacceptable. I mean, it's just awful. And we were like, how can, how can we help? Well, the number one way that we can help, and that's causing the biggest stressor, is obviously financial situations. And a lot of these women could, had to quit their jobs, couldn't go on tour if they were a musician, because how many venues went dark? I mean, almost all of them, and some of them never reopened, and we're still dealing with rescheduling and things canceling. And then many of them had loved ones, like like children who were remote schooling that they had to stay home and take care of, and couldn't go out late at night, couldn't leave the house, all these different things that musicians and being part of that, part of that career are required. So we thought a lot of these ladies are starting to perform at home and are creating these Home studios, how can we help them supplement their income without them having to leave? Home? And that's where Random Max Music came through. And we, with my corporate, with my background in corporate, with the networking and the professional connections that I've made through the years, I thought, I know so many entrepreneurs and small businesses and big businesses and, and associations and people with employees all across the nation who are doing these events online. And let's face it, we're all getting Zoom fatigue and they're all starting to blend together. And we're trying to figure out how do we differentiate? Well, music is a fantastic differentiator, right? I mean, it sets the tone for your event. It attracts attendees. It, because it, it stimulates all parts of the brain, it actually helps with problem solving, learning, an engagement. And then at the end of the day, when people get that feel good feeling when they leave or get ready to move on to something else, it also creates buy-in and loyalty so that they come back. And we thought this is a win-win for everybody in a very non-traditional way. So it's a win-win for both the women and the event hosts. And it's, uh, And adding a bit of entertainment to any kind of business or social event is something that I think we could all do more of. So are you in a beta stage right now? Do you have, have you, have you done one of these or two of these or 10 of these? We have, we've done eight of them and we've had wonderful sponsors like Tito's Handmade Vodka, Kendra Scott. We've done three events now with Kendra Scott Jewelry and combining music and jewelry shows which is a lot of fun. And some insurance companies, we've, uh, Giving Out Loud is a production company that started sponsoring us. So it's been really exciting and fun. We've had amazing artists on, including our last one was called The Holiday Round with Carolyn Wonderland and Shelly King. And uh, they play fantastic uh, holiday music together. And at the time, Carolyn had a number one Roots and Blues album out. So these ladies know, they're like, wow, this is fantastic. We can do this from our home studio. We don't have to go on tour. We could, we could do it right here and get new fans and interact with people. So it was a real hit. We had a lot of fun. You had a guest recently, Todd. Yes. So in essence, you could have a small live gathering where something's happening and you could be streaming it out so that people who are not at the gathering can still participate. So, so these are all different ways that we can work it. Oh, and yes. Todd's chat with you was fabulous. I love it. Glad you yeah, it was a great one. So these, so there are different ways that you can do it based on again, what your goals are and how you have it situated. And we're willing to work with you and figure it out again, we're the booking service. We're just trying to make sure that everybody's in line with who needs what. And so that the artists can show up and, and the hosts are happy with the experience.
0: But you have a big task ahead of you because not only do you have to become known for doing this and for offering this, then you have to be sort of an aggregator of both the buyers and the artists. Mm -hmm.
1: This this takes development.
0: (laughs) You said it. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm glad your PR people reached out to me because we have to get this out there to the right people and the right listeners. So let's talk about one thing you haven't talked about. It's interesting. You've talked about how and why you love music, why you love supporting music and artists. You've talked about the different skill sets you have, but you haven't talked about your music background. How did music come into your life early on, or did it, or did you come into it accidentally?
1: Good question. Uh, you know, ever since I was little, my father's second wife, Barb, was a musician, and she would play at home all the time, and when her daughter, my half-sister, was born Shannon, I think Shannon sang before she talked. <laughs> she was just a natural singer. She still is. She's a beautiful singer. And so I started kind of getting into it with that. And then, and then as I got into high school, I joined an acapella choir that was affiliated with a group of churches that were in the Detroit area. Um, my, I think I got a little bit of it from my dad because he used to dance all the time on the local version of the um, American Bandstand. There was like a local version of that in Detroit and he would go and dance on TV and whatnot. So we always liked Motown and would go see all the Motown acts back in the day. And that kind of, I think, was the start of it. And it just grew from there. And of course, when I started, what really impacted it for me, and I think is part of why Horizon Music's programs are special, the live experience. Once I started going to see live music, well, that's all she wrote. You know, I started to go see my first, my first concert was Andy Gibb. Oh, cool. Hey, you are dating yourself, girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally. Okay, so if we're going to go way back
1: then, what was your first favorite 45 record? Oh, I remember this like yesterday, Donnie Osmond, Puppy Love. Okay. See, mine was Mandy. Oh, Barry Manilow.
0: (laughs) That was my first 45. And I think, uh, Time in a Bottle was like one of the first songs that I remember loving. If we're going back approach
1: it. Oh yeah. Oh, I loved that song. Now, did you play your first 45 over and over and over again? So your parents were ready to scream? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having a turntable was a really big
0: deal. That was like the first step, you know, first there was a turntable, then you got a couch, a refrigerator, Then you got a car, right? Then an apartment. I mean, there was, these are important milestones. (laughs) (laughs) They were. (laughs) And now it's a milestone to get back your turntable because everything's electronic. So now it's kind of fun and cool. To, to have a cassette player from way back, right? I know, isn't it crazy? <laughs> we're, we're vintage, Michelle. <laughs> Our experiences and are so vintage cute.
1: now. <laughs> My
0: daughter, who's in the, in the music industry, recently gave me one of the few promotional cassette tapes that she had. She goes, Mom, I think you'd really like this, plus you're probably the only one I know that still has a cassette player. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's just because I'm cool and hip. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. That's right. <laughs> so, great. So, I love that trajectory. Not typical. Not like you woke up one day and said, I'm going to music school, Berkeley School of Music, or a Musician's Institute, or... I took piano lessons
1: for a while growing up. I did. And like I said, I sang in the in the choir. And at one point, I quit drinking for a year as a New Year's resolution. And I figured, eh, well, this would be a good time to take up guitar. But in no way, shape, or form am I a musician. I do like to write lyrics for myself. Maybe one day that'll turn into something. If somebody ever wants to collaborate, I'm putting it out to the universe. But that's, you know, that's fun for now. That's my fun spot for now. I'm also working on a book that we have pitched to about six different publishers right now that is for teens and tweens. Is it a resource book or autobiographical? What kind of book is it? No, it's, I'll put it this way. It is an educational activity-based book that is, that is about music. Okay, cool. That is music related. You you
0: know, I'm also a literary rep and literary manager, so I'm always interested in that. I rep talent and literary. So, Cool. Very cool. Do you have any kids of your
1: own? I do. I have my son. He's 14. And I have my stepdaughter, who's 24. And are either of them interested in any side of the music industry? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Sigh of relief, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, right? And it's funny because the huge bonding connection for my husband and and myself when we first started dating was our musical tastes and how much we both love music. And in fact, I'd venture to say he's probably a bigger music fan than I am. And it's funny that we would have these two kids in our household who are surrounded by music at all times and they could take it or leave it at this point. We'll see what happens
0: though. I also find it interesting that during COVID or around the same time you were leaving Austin when there's been such an influx of creatives going to to Austin, Texas. I have literally half a dozen friends and colleagues who have moved to Austin in the last three months.
1: It's exploding. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, There are, there are lots of pros to that. And then there are lots of cons. Certainly one of the big cons of that is that affordability for musicians is becoming a huge problem. Definitely. And uh, so they're, they're getting displaced and they're trying to figure out where to go next. I am encouraging everybody to move to the Detroit metro area. (laughs) Number one, affordability, much more in line with what I think uh, allows a lot more diversity. Secondly, I have an energy feel here going on right now that reminds me of where Austin was back in the early 90s and what attracted me to Austin. I think we're on the verge of a big push with the music scene happening here. Not a Motown revival. I mean, not that same type of music. It's uh, We've got a lot more happening in rock and roll, in, in hardcore areas, like a lot of alternative hardcore punk, as well as a lot happening with rap. So it's, it's kind of this interesting combination happening. And I think there's going to be some really cool things coming out of Detroit soon. Cool. Uh, Nashville's exploding too.
0: And whereas we used to think of Nashville as the country Bible belt, it is across the
1: board right now. It is. Absolutely. But I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think Detroit's going to have a lot to offer. Well,
0: listen, as we wrap up, let me tell you about Passion to Power's audiences I would love to say that everybody listens to passion to power but there's two demographics that seem to exceed the other analytics and that is the 18 to 26 pod and the 42 to 59 interesting numbers that's what my analytics tell me could you speak to both pods about these shifts that we've all been taking obviously you started shifting before the pandemic and then Many, many people started to shift in big ways. The music industry has also shifted in tremendous ways. You know, we've gone from an industry over the, the couple of decades that was primarily driven by labels and a r searches for artists, and then sort of like the modeling industry and agencies, you know, sponsorship and kind of creating acts and artists and then the distribution model. It's all flipped. You've said before, DIY, do-it-yourself, artists are doing so much, and that can be and sound very appealing if, you know, you're one of the few Grammy Award winners, and you know who I mean, um, who's able to create content in their basement and become Grammy stars. But that's not the case for many and most, and it can feel like an uphill battle to run your own social media, do your own art and graphics and merch, find venues where you can perform. So if you could speak to the two pods, let's first talk to the 1826ers. Uh, What do you offer? What is the value that you bring to the table for these listeners? And then the 42 to
1: 59ers, how can you help them? Sure. The first pod, first of all, I'm kind of jealous because (laughs) they are in a situation where they have all of that music at their fingertips which we didn't have at that age. So it's really exciting. What I would say, number one, is embrace that availability, but also learn how to define discernment and being critical and thinking about the quality of what you're listening to instead of just the quantity, because everything right now is just rapid fire ADD kind of programming. So I think that you'll get a lot more out of it if you sit back and really ingest and be a little bit more discerning. What we would have to offer, I think, backstage chess with women in music is a fantastic podcast to understand lessons learned, what women before you have done, and what new rising stars are doing. Uh, and some Kendall Conrad, we interviewed her, and she she is the queen of making her own opportunity. And I think that that is a lot of what Gen Z and and the millennials are really gonna have to do because we're move, shifting toward that gig economy. And that means that you're gonna have to make your own opportunity. And that means taking advantage of technology. That means you know, popping in the earbuds and listening to what people have to say in different forums because again, they're not sitting necessarily in conference rooms like you and I might've been when we were in our early twenties, when everything was brick and mortar, everything. So that's what I would say for them. For the Gen Xers, which I think is your second pod, we're the best. I mean, it was our generation that ushered in the internet. We were the ones who said, oh, we get it. You know, We were the ones who ushered in gaming consoles. Okay. And, we're, and as far as I'm concerned, we're the smallest of the groups, but we're the coolest. I know, we, we brought it all in. Uh, We ushered in MTV, we ushered, you know, uh, all the, all this alternative programming was because our group of people said, Ooh, let's do this. Let's do that. I mean, when I was working at AOL, it wasn't a bunch of 60, 70 year olds running the company. And it, it, it was all, you know, our, I think our average age at that point in time was like 27, 28 years old, something crazy like that for a big company. I mean, these were young people. So I think that our, Our programs, Horizon Music Foundations programs, kind of embody that spirit of adventure and innovation and what are new ways that we can support women in music and what are new ways that we can incorporate music into what we're doing in our businesses. Because we have a lot of entrepreneurs in our generation and this is a really cool way to push your brand, your products, your services in a way that is relatable and fun. What do you need? What we need. Oh my gosh. Well, volunteers are always super, we love volunteers. Anybody who wants to help us with operations, because we're a virtual company, we do everything virtually, so you can live anywhere, but we have all kinds of tasks that we could have use help with. The second thing is funding to help us develop the Random Acts of Music platform so that we can scale it and go national with it and support as many women as possible with it. And then, of course, having entrepreneurs, small businesses, medium, large businesses who would like to participate in the Random Acts of Music program by booking these women for their events. Well, I can't thank you enough. How can people find
0: out about Horizon Music and how can people get in touch with you?
1: Absolutely. Well, you can go to horizonmusic.org and remember it's spelled H E R. I-Z-O-N music.org. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. We also have an Instagram profile. And if somebody wants to contact me for any of the opportunities that we just talked about, feel free to email me directly. And that is Thea, T-H-E-A, at Music.org. Just go to the woman direct email to me directly. I will take care of you. I will answer all of your questions and, and hopefully we can we can make some magic happen.
0: And are there any genres that you will not support or do you like all kinds of music, every kind of music, all kinds of lyrics or do you tend to support you know just G-rated, PG-rated, R-rated?
1: <laughs> Good question. Actually we try to be as across the board as we can. Uh, one of the things that uh, is kind of in line with our values is that we want to uplift people. And so if it's music that is promoting any kind of glorifying of violence or glorifying of addiction or treating people poorly, we'll take a hard pass on that. But I mean, for the most part, we are very, very open to all kinds of music and, and beginner to anywhere you are on the experience spectrum. We have, we have teenagers who have knocked it out of the park for us. So, hey, you know, I, we, I'm telling everybody, sign up, you know, talk to us. We, we are not going to discriminate based on your age, based on your appearance, based on your familial status or your orientation. Those are, we have those barriers already. We don't need those. We don't need additional barriers. No barriers
0: to music. I think that after I simmer with all of this fabulous information, I'm going to have probably a short list of additional people to connect you with and have some ideas. In the meantime, I'm very excited to support Horizon Music and your initiative and to learn more about you, Thea. And thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so
1: much for having me, Michelle. This was a pleasure. So
0: thanks very much for listening to this episode and please share all the episodes with your friends and colleagues. We appreciate your ratings and comments on Apple podcasts and on social media. If you'd like more information about our programs and our special people and projects, please access www.morezap.com. More ZAP productions for talent and literary. And if you'd like to book a special one-on-one coaching or a group clinic or workshop, please access passion-power.com and you can fill out our form there and make a request. Thanks again.